Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. Unto the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So the sentencing that God passed upon Eve is recorded for us in that verse of Genesis chapter 3. So we saw that Eve's sentencing strikes a two strategic area of her being. So a sentencing fall on her as a mother and on her as a wife. And like last teaching, we saw why this is so. We're not going to go back to that. So please, if you are not part of that teaching, you can go back and listen to that. God does not, and God did not withdraw from Eve the privilege, the ability, the joy of being a woman. The privilege, the ability, and the joy of being a mother. The privilege and the ability and the joy of being a wife. God could have struck both of them dead. God could have cancelled Adam and Eve. He could have banished them into eternity in hell. He could have taken those privileges and abilities that God gave them. God could have taken it away, but God did not. God did not take that privilege away. However, whereas previously Eve was fulfilling her role majestically with grace, with glory. That was what was obtained before in fulfilling their role, the role that God has called both of them to Adam and Eve together and individually towards one another and towards the creation and towards God. In fulfilling their role, even though they were working, but there was no pain. There was no toil in fulfilling this role. There was no conflict. There was no competition. But all that is now about to change. It is no more business as usual. Why? Because rebellion and sin have contaminated them. And consequently, it has contaminated their guiding experience of order, rest, peace, and joy. That's what they had before. They had order. They had rest. They had peace. They had joy. Unfortunately, because of sin and rebellion, all that has now been contaminated. So let us now listen to the first half of God's sentence with respect to Eve. We've read it and we are going, just going to take them one by one. Let's, let's read it again. I think it would be nice to read it again. So unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. So we are going to look at this sentencing and we are going to look at the content and we are going to look at the implications. So this sentence started out, he said, unto the woman, he, God said, unto the woman. So the subject of this sentence is very clear. It is clearly <laughs> indicated this sentence is being passed unto the woman. So we saw the sentencing of Satan as the serpent. We are now moving on to the sentence of the woman. So we know the subject of this sentence unto the woman and he said unto the woman he that is god said so god said so we know the subject unto the woman 
and it is God. And he said, God said, and he, God said, just like God spoke in Genesis chapter one, and the universe was created. You remember what we said? And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. Just the same way that God said, and God said, and God said, and it was so. The same way God said. When God was going to pass his judgment upon Eve and also upon Adam, what did God say? He didn't jump up and down. The Bible say, God said. Why? Because God is the law. God is the Lord. There is no law beyond. There is no law above God. God is the law. And God's word is law. God's word is a two-edged sword. It can bring blessing. It can bring cursing. It can bring peace. It can bring judgment. It all depends on which side of the sword that we are standing. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So the word of God is like a two-edged sword, and it can bring judgment, it can bring peace, it can bring blessing, it can bring cursing. It all depends on which side of God we are standing. Unfortunately, at this point in this story, Adam and Eve are definitely standing on the wrong side of justice. They are definitely standing on the wrong side of God. So let's continue. So we have seen the object of the sentence unto the woman. And we have seen who is passing the sentence is God. And we have seen how God commands justice, how God commands Judgment, the same way that God commands blessing by saying, He, God, said, and He said. And let's go on. And He said, What did God say? He said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. Let's break that down. God said, I will. I will. Now, we must understand that this is not a vindictive action on the part of God. And we have mentioned that this is not a God that said, you dare to disobey me. You've, you know, you've crushed my ego. You've, you've, I'm going to show you. No, that's not what is going on. That is not what is going on here. We, what we are seeing here is not a God who is vindictive, but rather we are seeing a God who is the law. God is the law. God is law. His word is law, and the tenant of the law is being applied to crimes that have been committed. Judgment must be meted out to the rebellious. Judgment must be meted out to the criminal, and that is what God is doing here. And God, in passing this judgment, is not any less loving, is not any less merciful, is not any less gracious. <laughs> and we must understand that, that God, in it's not God is not flying up the off the handle. He said, I'm going to show you, you know, no. Okay. So God said, I will. And when God said I will, he's standing in the office of the judge because he is the judge. He is the law. Praise the Lord. And God said, I will. What will he do? He said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. Now let's look at that word greatly multiply. Greatly multiply. We must understand that this does not mean that Eve was already having sorrow before the fall. No, that's not what it means here. Okay. 
a literal translation of that verse, that, that first verse of chapter 3, verse 16a. This is from the Young's literal translation. A literal translation will go like this. Unto the woman, he said, multiplying, I multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And thy conception in sorrow does thou bear children. What God is simply saying is this before now, in you fulfilling your role as a mother, there was no pain, there was no sorrow. But from now on, there will be pain. From now on, there will be sorrow because sin has brought the pain, sin has brought the sorrow. From now on, there will be pain. From now on, there will be sorrow. Not just pain and sorrow, there will be numerous and abundant sorrow. That is what it means that greatly multiply. There will be numerous pain. There will be abundant pain. So when he says that I will greatly multiply your sorrow, it's not saying that they already had the experience of pain and sorrow. It's just saying that something has shifted. Something has changed. And from now on, even though before there was no experience of pain and sorrow, but from now on in fulfilling your role as a mother, there will be numerous and abundant sorrow. Said, I will greatly multiply that. So let's move on to the next you know, portion of these sentences. He said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. That is from the King James Version. Let's read it from the Message Bible. God said, I will multiply your pains in childbirth. You give birth to your babies in pain. I will read that again. I will multiply your pains in childbirth. You will give birth to your babies in pain. I want you to notice the contradiction here. Pains in childbirth. Babies in pain. Childbirth pains. Babies pains. You see the contradiction? I know nowadays it has become part of our experience that they are closely associated. But what I want you to see here is that what God is telling Eve here, in one sense, it is prophetic. In one sense, it is a prophetic utterance that because God is saying that this is going to be the reality and the truth of life for human on earth from now on. The contradiction shall bat pain, babies pain. Why is this the case? Is it because of God? No, God did not create it that way. It is because life on earth has now been contaminated by sin. There's a sense in which every childbirth is a prophetic herald of life as it has now become after the fall. It is the familiar story of the lily and the thorns. Lilies, as you know, these are a group of beautiful and delicate flowers. And lilies are often fragrant and they come in wide, wide range of colors. They are red, they are white, they are yellow, they are oranges, they are pinks, they are purple. And there's one flower of the lily family that is called the lily of the valley. The lily of the valley. And I read that this lily of the valley is a tiny flower, but it has such a sweet, sweet, sweet perfumes. Sweetest of perfume, this lily of the valley. But the question is, 
where do you find such a flower? Where do you find such a fragrant, delicate, beautiful flower like lilies? Where do you find them? Let's read Solomon, the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Now, we are not looking, we are not exegesis the book of Solomon. He just told us something about lilies that I want us to read. So we are going to read Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. I will read verse 2 again. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Now, like I said, we are not getting into who is saying what and what is the implication of what is being said. I just want you to see, because we ask ourselves this question, where do you find this delicate, this beautiful, this fragrant flower? Where do you find them? We read it in their lilies, a flower that are found growing up among prickly thorns. That is where you find lilies. Can you imagine a dove among vultures? Can you imagine a lamb among wolves? But that is exactly the picture we are seeing here. The picture of something that is most beautiful. The picture of something that is most gorgeous. The picture of something that is so wonderful. The picture of something that is so delicate. But we are finding it among tons. Tons, something that is haggard, that is, you know, jagged, that is ragged, that is prickly, that is destructive. Beauty and pain. Beauty and pain. And that is exactly what was happening in this prophecy, or in this judgment, I should say, that God is given Eve. So as lilies live in this world among thorns, so you and I must grow up in a sinful world. And that is exactly what is going on. Applying this back to Eve, God said, I will multiply your pains in childbirth. You will give back to your babies in pain. What do we see here? Childbirth is a great privilege. It's a great honor that God bless women with. And we've seen that in our previous teaching. However, babies, these babies, this life's most sublime joy, they are like lilies. Okay. But they will be birthed amidst tremendous pain. They will be born amidst tremendous pain and sorrow. And that is the tones. And I dare add that they will be raised amidst heartaches and worries. This has become the lot of human after the fall. Remember, God did not create it this way. This is what happened because the man and the woman sinned, because the man and the woman, they rebelled against God. And much the same way, this world reaches the joy and the achievement of this world and so on, they are, they are all contaminated with pain and sorrows. Because this is now the lot of humans after the fall. Now, this is the reality behind the frustration of the preacher that we read in the book of Ecclesiastes. That is what is behind his frustration. He's looking at a life after the fall. A life after the fall, but a life before the cross. Very, very important. A life that is edged in between the fall, but before the cross. And this is the experience, no matter how beautiful, 
there is always pain. No matter how wonderful, there is always sorrow. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we read verses 13 and 14, and then we read verse 18. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This so travail had God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Verse 18. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. All I want you to see here is the contradiction that we see that sin and rebellion has brought up. And that is exactly what was happening as Eve stood before God hearing this judgment. And God is saying, listen, this is what is going to happen to you. The Bible says, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Message Bible again, I will multiply your pains in childbirth. You will give birth to your babies in pain. And we said this is actually quite prophetic. Every childbirth is telling us this is what life has become. But remember what we said, and this is very, very important, that in every single one of these judgments, we can see God's mercy. But as we read the scripture, we realize that there is going to be a special child. What we have, The child we have come across as the seed of the woman. This child will also be born through this same process of pain and sorrow. This child will be born in pain and sorrow. And we read that. Let's read Luke chapter 2 because we know who this child is, isn't it? We know is the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2 verses 34 and 35. This is when they brought the Lord Jesus Christ to the temple. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set forth the fall and the rising again of men in Israel. And for a sign we shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now this is a child that is going to be born, something beautiful, something gorgeous, in fact the most beautiful, the most gorgeous, the most wonderful, <laughs> the seed of the woman. But he will also experience this pain, he will also experience this sorrow. And the man of God. Simeon was telling Mary, he said, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, but it's for a purpose. The seed of the woman will confront and deal with the problem of pain in creation. Remember the prophecy that God gave concerning the seed of the woman when God was judging the serpent and Satan. He said, the seed of the woman will bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. He will experience pain. He will experience sorrow. And the gospel gives a special promise to mothers in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, talking about the grace of God even in this judgment. So let us read that as we move ahead. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Verse 15 is where we are going. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in shall bearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. The Bible says that she shall be saved in child bearing. Now, what we saw is that 
Satan contaminated life at its very source. The womb of the woman that God has commissioned for the purpose of bringing life. God commissioned it that the womb of the woman will be the entrance of life into this creation. And Satan contaminated it. God did not decommission the womb of the woman. God did not take that privilege away from the woman. But rather, God set out to redeem it. Amen. From that same spot where Satan contaminated life, from that same spot, God will bring salvation. And this reminds me of the story we read about Elisha the prophet. You remember when the, the, the sons of the prophet came to Elisha in Second Kings chapter 6 and said, Look, where we are living is too small, it's too straight for us. Let's go away and build another building and they went and while they were doing that something happened in verse 5 i'm just going to read that as second kings chapter 6 verse 5 but as one was felling a beam the axe head fell into the water and he cried and said alas master for it was borrowed it is what the man of god did that is really quite interesting the man of god said where fell it show me the spot where the axe head fell he was shown the spot and he, sh- he showed him the place. And the man of God did something. He cut down his stake and he cast it in that place. The very same spot where the ass head fell, he cut the cutting. He cut a tree. There was a pain. But he dropped that tree at the same spot where the ass head sank. He cast it at that same spot. The tree, the, 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 the stick went down. And the Bible says that miraculously the iron did swim. And he said, take it up today. And he put out his hand and took it. What I'm saying is that here we see once again the grace and the love of God. At the very same point that Satan contaminated life, God brought salvation. God, Satan thought that God was going to throw the human away. God did not decommission the womb of women to bring forth life. Unfortunately, it has to be done in pain, but God said that will change. Through that same source, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the seed of the woman will come and he will confront pain. He will confront sin. He will take pain and sin into himself and he will overcome and he will deal with the problem of pain once and for all in creation. So we have now considered the content and the implication of the first part of the sentence that God passed on Eve. Next time, by the grace of God, we will go into the second part of that judgment. And if you are listening to me, look, we have been talking about the grace. We've been talking about the love of God. But remember, a time will come when the time of grace will be over, when we will all stand before God finally to be judged for God loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life you can come to him today there's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved you can come to him today admit that you cannot save yourself ask him to be your lord and savior and he will do that he will come in he will save you something new will be born inside of you and then you'll start the process of growing in grace as Christian and he will walk with you through the through the thing and thing of this life and when this is all over you and i will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new world but it's only the people that have accepted him 
that will have that privilege. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.